Al Jazeera podcast. The indictment brings felony charges against Donald John Trump, Rudolph William Louis Giuliani, John Charles. It might be Donald Trump's biggest indictment yet. It's a media circus, all centering on a courthouse in the U.S. state of Georgia. This is a a building that's become a fortress because of this trial. There are people all around it. You have a very large police presence. All day there have been police officers with sirens, lights, armed guards at every single entry and exit to the Fulton County Courthouse. It's some of these other indictments. You see protesters and everything. Here there's none of that right now. This week, a grand jury in Atlanta indicted Trump and 18 others for trying to overturn the 2020 election. The 41 counts range from election fraud to racketeering, a charge usually reserved for organized crime. So what's behind this latest indictment? Please remember that everyone charged in this bill of indictment is presumed innocent. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. First, a reminder of the day that became one of the biggest moments in this case. It was January 2nd, 2021. Two months had passed since the U.S. news media announced Joe Biden would be the next president of the United States. And Donald Trump was working the phones. Mr. President, everybody is on the line. This is Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, just so we all are aware. On the line is Secretary of State. Trump was still president. And And from the sound of this phone call he made to the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, he was very much hoping to stay that way. All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state, and flipping the state is a great testament to our country. Trump later called it a perfect phone call. His position throughout those months was that there had been a massive election fraud against him, and it was Raffensperger's job to oversee presidential election results in the state of Georgia. That was two and a half years ago. Tuesday of this week was a fast-moving day, but we managed to catch up with John Hendren, an Al Jazeera correspondent who's been staked out in the city of Atlanta. So, John, what has it been like there for the past 24 hours or so? I gather you probably haven't slept much. No, I haven't slept much. Um, We all stayed up late last night because nobody knew this indictment was coming down on Monday. Everyone thought it was going to come down on Tuesday, and we kept hearing the judge saying, all right, everybody, you can go to dinner. We're going to keep going for a while. Courthouse normally closes at five. After eight o'clock, it was still going. And then we heard the indictments were coming out. It may be sometime within the next three hours that they process that indictment for public release. So everybody stayed up really late, but it was a bit of a surprise that this came down when it did. People thought it might drag out into the week, and then boom, it all happened on Monday. 
breaking news in Georgia's investigation into alleged interference in the 2020 presidential election. Another historic day, this time inside an Atlanta courtroom in a sweeping nearly 100-page indictment. A Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment. So this is now the fourth indictment against former U.S. President Donald Trump. It was brought by District Attorney Fonnie Willis, who is a local official, which is unusual. These aren't federal charges. But this one is special for a number of reasons. There's a lot here. 41 counts. And Trump isn't the only one who's indicted. So break this down for us. What is in the indictment? Well, indictment says that this inner circle of Trumpies, 18 people plus the president, were pushing this uh, slate of fake electors. That is, you know, in the U.S., we don't elect presidents. We elect people who are electors who then go on to elect presidents. They're the ones who are telling you who won Georgia. Um, And that's basically the crux of this whole case. They were trying to apparently slip in a slate of fake electors and just say, no, don't look at these guys, look at these guys. Now, according to the most recent indictment, the alleged plan attempted to utilize the Trump electors to subvert the Biden ballots. Those Trump electors, then allegedly were to submit the certificates stating that he had won to Vice President Mike Pence. But what's really unusual about it is that all the other cases are on the surface a lot simpler, right? So in New York State, you've got charges for Trump for hush money paying off Stormy Daniels, the porn star, just ahead of the 2016 election. And the idea is that was like a campaign contribution. So that's one case. And then you got the federal cases where he's in trouble for handling of classified documents in a Florida case. In Washington, D.C., he's in trouble for overturning the federal election. But here, it's completely different. Instead of the way Jack Smith did it, this is the, the federal special prosecutor who's going after Trump. He did it really cleanly, only charged Trump tried to make it really simple so that that case can go forward really quickly. This is the opposite of that. This is 19 people being charged with 41 charges all together at the same time in one case. Makes it really complex, makes it really likely that there will be delays. And he's got this whole novel legal process against him. And that's this racketeering charge that all of those people face. That's usually used for organized crime. It's the kind of thing that Rudolph Giuliani, one of the defendants in this case, used to pursue himself when he was chasing mobsters in New York City when he was with the Justice Department. So it's kind of a completely different and far more sprawling case than the others. Hmm. And unusual, I take it, that racketeering is being used here, which, as you said, usually reserved for someone involved in organized crime. We're talking the mob. Is that a tact that analysts think will work here? Is there a danger? Yeah, the big question is, is that going to work or could that be thrown out? And if that gets thrown out, that's charged against everybody. It's the one thing that ties them together. Will that cause the case to unravel? Well, the prosecutor here, doesn't think it's going to be a problem because she has used this before. She used it to prosecute a cheating case with Atlanta schools here, and she won. She was able to successfully tie together people in that school system 
in a series of events that basically accuse them of cheating on standardized tests. So she thinks it's going to work. She likes that procedure. But this is the first time it's ever been done at this level against the president. So like so many unprecedented things, when you talk about Donald Trump, this is yet another one. And you could bet his lawyers are looking at how they can poke holes in that theory. So who else is indicted? And how serious is this indictment for Trump? That's after the break. The Inside Story podcast dissects, analyzes, and helps define major global stories. We get into the details with experts who explain how policies affect people. The Inside Story podcast by Al Jazeera. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So, John, you mentioned lots of names aside from Trump are named here. 18 people. Who are some of them we should know? Well, Rudy Giuliani is one of the big ones. He was, of course, the former mayor of New York, America's mayor after 9-11, was what people called him. He's a federal prosecutor, but best known recently for being the go-to guy whenever Trump needed somebody to go out and sell this story about how he had really won the election. There's not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states. Almost exactly the same pattern. Rudy Giuliani came down to Georgia and he spoke to the Georgia Senate and he, he argued that, you know, in fact, there was widespread fraud. And he showed a heavily edited video that suggested that in one shot, there were these two election workers and one of them was passing something to the other. And he, he said that that was a hard drive and they were passing it along like it was cocaine or something. And in congressional testimony, those women were asked about that. And one of them said, actually, I was passing her a mint. Hmm. So Giuliani is somebody who has a lot of culpability here, if anyone does. Then you got Mark Meadows, who is the White House chief of staff, who was also enabling Trump on this. You've got Jeffrey Clark, who is a top Justice Department official that Trump considered elevating to be the acting head of the Justice Department. At one point, he was drafting a letter that said the Justice Department had found, you know, massive fraud and they were concerned. That letter never got out because a lot of other people in the campaign were concerned about it. But some very, very high profile people. Uh, and as I said, they go up from, you know, top officials in the White House all the way down to people here in Georgia who are just local officials who were trying to put together this fake slate of electors. And one of the big issues here is that the prosecutor is saying, because those people signed documents and said, we are the duly elected electors for Georgia, and they weren't, that that is one of the charges. It's, you know, they lied in person, they lied on a public document, and that is among the charges here. So 18 people who are at varying stages of the Republican Party and Trump land, all bound together by this conspiracy charge. So how was Trump involved? Well, Trump first spoke to Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. He was trying to get him to put together a special session of the state legislature so that they could sort of legitimize this fake electors scheme and come up with new electors and say, no, Donald Trump actually won. And then Trump called the secretary of state in that famous call where he says, I just need 11,780 votes. Come on, give me a break. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. 
So he's calling people on down the line. Each of those things are listed as, as offenses in these indictments. And he had a bunch of people working for him, including Mark Meadows, who were doing the same thing. You were calling people according to prosecutors, and those people are being charged for that. But according to this indictment, it was Donald Trump that led this whole enterprise, Donald Trump that organized this conspiracy and got everyone to do what he wanted because he wanted to stay president and wasn't willing to accept the results of the election. Hmm. And a conspiracy, just so I'm clear, because although Donald Trump made that now infamous call on January 2nd, before then, other things were in play. Is that what makes this the conspiracy? Yeah, under the law, that RICO case, the Racketeering Influence Corrupt Organizations Law, that just means that two or more people got together and they agreed to break the law. And in this case, they allegedly agreed to break the law by trying to flip the election for Trump. And it could be used in any number of cases. I told you about that Georgia school case. You know, it's generally used to track down the mob. That's what racketeering is generally, you know, thought of. In this case, they're just saying, nope, these guys all got together and they wanted to break the law. They knew they were breaking the law and they came up with a scheme to do it. So I know that you have to go for a live to tell our audiences what's going on. I want to know a final question. What did Trump and his supporters have to say about this latest case in Georgia? And what does it mean for the election that he's running in? Well, Trump put out a statement right after this all happened. He said he is going to release a bunch of information that proves there was fraud in Georgia. He's going to do it on Monday uh, and uh, it'll be a big deal. Donald Trump posted this morning on True Social. He said that he was, quote, hosting a major news conference at 11 a.m. on Monday of next week in Bedminster, New Jersey. And he said that he's going to present a report that his team has been working on, riddled, really, with the false claims that the election results in Georgia in 2020 were rife with fraud. So Giuliani says this is all just a bunch of Democrats who are targeting President Trump because they don't want him to win the next election. They want Joe Biden to win. And that's kind of a line that Republicans seem to be buying by and large. Every time Trump gets indicted, his poll numbers go up among Republicans and his fundraising goes up. And so that's a, a line that works for them politically. The big question here is, is that going to work in the courts? Because the courts are a totally different system. You can't just assert something. You have to show proof. These four indictments, including this case in Georgia, could prove whether that tactic is going to work. And there's one other thing that is important to know about these cases. In the state case in New York and the state case in Georgia, those aren't influenced by presidential pardons. Mm. So if Trump were elected president, he might be able to pardon himself for the two federal series of indictments, but he wouldn't be able to do it on the state level. So in a sense, these are, could be the most important cases in determining Donald Trump's fate. John, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through this complicated but clearly important indictment. We appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I hope you get some rest. <laughs> I'll do my best. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters and Faranisa Campana. With Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, David Enders, Khaled Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Sonia Bagat, 
Zena Brother, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is the Takes executive producer, and Nate Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.